Okay, welcome everyone to another edition of Billy West Live. It's a, again a, a pleasure to welcome Dr. Greg Granger from Northwestern State University to Billy West Live to discuss some unfortunate uh, but very important developments in world politics. Uh, Greg Granger, welcome back uh, to Billy West Live. Thank you, Billy. It's always good to be with you. And uh, you're right, we have some very disturbing events going on, uh, particularly once again in the Middle East. It seems like we uh, keep trying to uh, minimize our presence there, but just doesn't allow us. Um, there's, there's some some nasty things going on. Um, what we're talking about, of course, is the situation with the people known as Palestinians and the Israelis with the Israeli state. The people, uh, the Palestinians are living in what are known as the West Bank and a separate area known as the Gaza Strip. And so they're divided with two different somewhat governing structures um, and Israel kind of in the, in the middle, pretty much controlling all of their access to everything. So what we have is a long history here uh, since 1948 and the founding of the Israeli state. Really, if you want to go back to the uh, even to the late 1900s, when people started moving in and, uh, and, and, and moving out of Europe in particular, when Jews started moving out of Europe in particular to Palestine, but then uh, after World War II and, of course, after the Holocaust, there was quite understandably uh, you know, great sympathy and understanding um, in terms of the developing a, an independent state. Um, however, uh, although this is a complicated and sometimes very emotional topic, the, the basic fact remains it was not an empty land. Um, there were people living there. Many of them were mistreated by their faraway landlords living in the Ottoman Empire or living in, in Turkey, and uh, they lost their homes. As many as 750,000 Palestinians were driven out of their homes at the founding of Israel. And so, as you can imagine, that created a lot of animosity. And we know that uh, there was war and violence in 1948. There was again in 1967 and in 1973 when Israel faced uh, some of her Arab neighbors, like Syria and Egypt. Um, Israel came out of those wars uh, basically victorious and, and together as a unit and occupying some land that it did not occupy before, and it still occupies the land, or at least controls uh, the air, the electricity, the water, the land, the hundreds and hundreds of checkpoints. So from the Israeli point of view, uh, it's a matter of security, a matter of feeling threatened, uh, by hostile neighbors, and from the Palestinian point of view, it's being uh, having lost their homes and shuffled into refugee camps, uh, and being mistreated uh, largely by their own Arab uh, people, like the Egyptians and the Saudis and others. Um, the Palestinian people really have been caught in between. Now, that's talking about people who are just trying to live an everyday life. Obviously, what we need to talk about are organizations that say that they're working on behalf of the Palestinians, but in reality, they're working on their own agenda. In this case, the relevant actor is called Hamas, and it was formed in the late 1980s. And if we go back to that period of time, uh, we have to look at the, the civil war in Lebanon that uh, in the early 80s, which was horrific in itself. Uh, and included Israel as a player. So, and uh, Israel moved in under Ariel Sharon, and uh, there was there was mass 
destruction and death, and it, it was not a pretty situation. In the late 80s, Hamas was formed quite simply as an opposition force. Uh, its charter says that it exists for the purpose of destroying Israel as a Jewish state. And since then, it's been complicated because on the one hand, we can we can jump right ahead into the current era with the current prime minister because he has been prime minister before, and Mr. Netanyahu has been involved in Israeli politics for a long, excuse me, a long time. And um, you know, he is of the one mindset of one hand that he really doesn't want to see what's called the two-state solution, a state in which the Palestinians have their own country, their own borders, and possibly their own military. Um and he, he doesn't want to see that because he feels it would increase the threat against Israel. At the same time, uh, he do, does not want to incorporate the Palestinian population into Israel because, for one thing, they're a very large population. And it would be a demographic, uh, a radical demographic change for Israel. It would no longer be predominantly Jewish. So uh, what exactly he wants or expects is, is kind of hard to figure out. There has been reporting in the Israeli press for several years now, actually, that kind of on the on the down low, as they say, uh, kind of quietly, Netanyahu, in a way, has supported Hamas because he sees supporting Hamas as the only way to prevent a, a, a Palestinian state. He figures Man. Hamas keeps up the trouble um, that they will never agree to a Palestinian state. The problem is Hamas has been misinterpreted. Um, it, there have been wars before, there have been battles before, there have been violence before, but nothing on this scale. For some reason, the Israelis, the Americans, even the Egyptians do not seem aware that Hamas has built up the capabilities that it showed in the last few days. Um, namely, the ability to throw 4,000 and even more rockets into Israel. Now, these are largely primitive rockets that uh, they make right there in the Gaza Strip. However, there is perhaps some financing from other countries like Iran and actually Russia as well. Um, Russia supplied Hamas with weapons that it captured from Ukrainians, um, American weapons and European weapons. So we have a very complicated situation where we have actors playing both sides, supporting one side, supporting another. Uh, on the one hand, Vladimir Putin does not have very poor relations with Benjamin Netanyahu, but at the same time, he has been supporting Hamas because it's a, an agent of chaos, so to speak. Well, Greg, let me ask a quick question. Am I, am I right to um, surmise that Hamas's attack is actually uh, unified domestic Israeli politics, where now Netanyahu is emboldened, um, and and even the the opposition in within Israel now obviously they're unified because their country's under attack, and so it softened the divide that's been going on for the last month within the country of Israel. Correct. Um, you know we we have the situation where every Saturday we've seen a hundred thousand Israelis protesting their government, largely right. over that judicial reform that he passed. Right. Um, and there are other divisions as well. Um, there, there have been trouble with Israeli settlers who were quite radicalized and uh, they've been violent and Israel military and Israel police have been having a hard time uh, controlling some of these settlers. And actually, that's where apparently a lot of the uh, security forces were. We're, were closer to the West Bank 
and we're focusing uh, also on domestic issues as well as maybe Hezbollah. They just didn't expect the Gaza Strip to, to attack like this. They didn't expect Hamas to attack. Now, I just read a report that according to a member of Congress, American Congress, uh, Israel was actually warned by Egypt three days before the attack. Uh, I don't know how specified the warning was. They said that something like this could happen. And uh, so that needs to be worked out. And that, that's kind of a key to all of this. There's a lot of information that needs to work out. Well, and right your... now we're operating under the fog of war. We're operating yeah. under active operations. And so nobody's too worried about exactly how this happened. They're trying to put a stop to it. And they're trying to, I guess, uh, well, decimate what they can of Hamas. Well, your your specialty and, and area of, of expertise is in national security, and then specifically dealing with these issues in the Middle East. And one of the questions I did want to ask you was, what, what, what are the intelligence failures? You just mentioned that's the first reporting I've heard of the Egyptians having some uh, information before the attack. But what are, what are the lessons to be learned by both Israel and the United States as it relates to um, intelligence failures, let's call it right now. Well, yeah, that's a very good term for it. That's uh, precisely uh, what it was all about, because this came apparently, as far as we can tell, as a absolute surprise, as a complete surprise, when suddenly the rockets started falling, when a thousand people came through the border, uh, the border wall even, uh, when they attacked the music festival, just really heinous war crimes right there. Um, how they did not see this develop thousands of people gathered on the on the border 4000 rockets ready to be to be launched off how the americans with our satellite technology i mean they had to train for this there was a physical presence of this force i it, it's very difficult to say how israel missed it how the united states missed it we need to find out more information about what egypt did or didn't know or others um the lesson to be learned is that Political divisions within a country can affect its own national security very seriously. The, the distraction that has kind of refocused the Israeli security forces away from the Gaza Strip because they thought they knew what, what Hamas was all about and this thing was going to be manageable. Uh, that turned out to be very wrong. And I think we're never going to see that again. I don't think we're... We're going to see Mr. Netanyahu or Israel or anybody, um, you know, underestimate Hamas again. It looks like they're moving in with full force. Yeah. We we, we expect civilian casualties. We expect um, a pretty bad situation. Now, part of the priority for the United States, um, not sure what Israel exactly feels about this in terms of their government, but a priority for the United States is, on the one hand, assisting Israel and allowing Israel to take care of itself. But on the other hand, not allowing this to become a region-wide war, uh, dragging in Iran, you know, bringing in Syria and that chaotic situation, bringing in Hezbollah uh, from, from Lebanon, even, even forces within Jordan, maybe. Uh, this has the potential to, to, to expand very violently and quickly. And, of course, Israel is the only power in the region in the possession of nuclear weapons. But one thing people like me have been studying for a long time is just what good those weapons are really doing Israel. Um, they don't deter people like Hamas. And 
what exactly can they threaten against Iran if Iran gets more involved in this? I mean, obviously they can threaten a nuclear attack or something, but this, these are all very close quarters. These countries are all very close together, and a nuclear attack from one on the other can end up doing a lot of damage to the attacker as well as the others. Sure so, um, so we have levels of security that are very troubling, and what we're trying to do is keep it at a fairly low level, a limited war, uh, limited in terms of engagement, in terms of time, in terms of the uh, the goals that they're trying to succeed, and not allow it to become bigger. I mean, you know, right. Israel, uh, for its own reasons, of course, greatly opposes the progress that Iran has made in the nuclear field. They could use this as an excuse to launch an attack on Iranian nuclear facilities. Um, I hope that right. doesn't happen. Well, it's one, of the, that as a separate issue. it's one of the reasons the Iran nuclear deal is, is so important. I mean, why it's been in the news for the last 10 years, probably. But I had a friend of mine from Houston. I, I told him I was going to have you on. He had a, a particularized question he wanted me to ask you. And that, that is how involved with the United States either covertly or even openly support the Israelis if they go after terrorist training camps within Iran. Do you have any opinion about that? Within Iran? Yes. If there, if, if these yeah. people were trained within Iran, will, will we allow our armed forces to assist Israel in crossing into Iran to uh, demolish or dismantle those training camps? I don't see that. Um... You know, we obviously don't know what we would be doing if, if, if extremely covert uh, with some special operations forces. What I see more likely is our intelligence, our uh, satellite intelligence, any sort of human intelligence we might have in the region. I could uh, I, I could see us supporting Israel kind of from the outside. I don't see the United States getting involved in an, a war or, or in an operation inside of Iran. But let me remind you of one thing. Israel has been in the past, very successful at getting into Iran. They, they haven't needed our help a whole lot. They've been right. in there. They've stolen secrets. They've broken into places. They've assassinated scientists. Um, you know, now we did, of course, assassinate the uh, uh, IRGC leader under the Trump administration. We, we assassinated the, uh, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard leader, and that has still caused a good bit of animosity. But if you notice, Iran hasn't done anything directly to the United States in retaliation. So I, without a very specific and overt provocation from Iran, I don't see the United States getting uh, certainly not overtly involved in attacking those camps. I think we would help with some intelligence. I think we would keep our our carrier and our, our forces in the area to prevent a wider war, to try to deter Iran from you know, retaliating with force. Uh, but that's all very risky. That is all very much on the edge. Well, it is. And I, first, I appreciate your comments. I know we're about out of time for this segment. I uh, need to get you back on, Greg, soon to talk about Ukraine. And then as things develop uh, in Israel and uh, so many other questions come to mind that I want to get your thoughts on. But let me let me finish by asking you simply, and we're taping this for our listeners on uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, October 11th. So this will air over the next couple of days. But to let people know when we're taping your information for your prediction. What do you see? I see ground forces going into Gaza within the next 36 hours, but you're the expert. Where do you see this going? How brutal is it going to get? And how is the world going to react to what we're fixing to see on video? Well, you know, for better or worse, we're seeing a very much mixed reaction. I, I, I think uh, on the one hand, we, we a lot of people are very concerned about the, the loss of innocent life. 
both within Israel and within the Palestinian territories. Um, I think everybody can understand an anti-Hamas operation, but this is the most densely populated place in the world with you know two and a half million people crowded into a few miles. And so how exactly you have an operation against a social movement, it's not really, it's an organization, but it's also a social movement, is very hard to see. I do see Israeli, I agree with you, I don't know, it's possible within the next 36 hours, but the fact is, is Israel's going to try to do this in a way that benefits itself and is successful, and that means not rushing into it. They need the intelligence, they need to know where things are, where people are, uh, they've already started the attack. We know that the you know the air attack has begun. I do see now. Let me add this one uncertainty, and that is about the United States again. Uh, Hamas had a tactical victory, but they had a very strategic failure. Okay, now we might say this is, of course, a very much an intelligence failure on Israel's side, but this is a strategic failure on Hamas's side because they didn't take out Israel <laughs> by any means. Uh, they did a lot of damage. They created a lot of anger. But they're declaring this some sort of massive victory. Um, they made a mistake of killing at least 14 Americans. They may be holding Americans hostage. Uh, it doesn't matter who's president. We're not going to allow that, you know, to stand. And so I'm quite certain our intelligence agencies and our uh, special operations agencies in the military are very much engaged in trying to get information and trying to find the hostages. I could possibly even see, whether we admit it or not, American special forces going in with Israeli forces house to house only after the information is known. Um, but I don't expect to see the United States being a silent partner. Americans were killed and taken hostage. I don't think that's going to stand very well. And um, I, I expect us to be involved in this for some time to come. Well, it's always great to get your expertise and your thoughts in a very troubling time in the Middle East. Obviously, if this escalates to a more regional conflict, we'll need to get you back on for your thoughts and your expertise. But, uh, Greg, and I agree, the strategic mistake by Hamas, is they, they've really strengthened Netanyahu and the Israelis are united. So that may be the most important factor ultimately that comes out of this, other than obviously the Mossad has to figure out where their intelligence failures uh, were at the most critical time. But Greg uh, Granger, Dr. Greg Granger from Northwestern State University has been our guest on Billy West Live. Greg, it's just such a pl I had a number of people call me this week and say, well, we got to get Dr. Granger on to get his thoughts. So, you know, we're, right, right. we're educating people, but we appreciate your generosity with your time. Dr. Greg Granger has been our guest on Billy West Live.